0: Okay, you know it's simple mama, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, can't beat me man I'm, man, I'm in the zone, in the zone. Michael Fels with them flows, they're like waves and you know, and I get them out fast, I'm Usain on them tracks, like Jordan the Payton, don't talk all that trash. Ain't on my level, relax, bro just pull up them stats, let my game show the fast. Know that you can never pass this, so you got another so an auto-racking, like Serena, no, I'm press it's my planet, it's my planet, on my space, you won't be jamming, don't put me in the box, keep on winning, I no, don't stop, think you got an easy lane, I'm Dikembe with the block, that's all you got, yeah, I'm on another level, yeah, I'm on another level, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on another level, yeah, yeah. like Ace Ferg, I'm on a new level, okay.
1: opulent inventory our proud partners here on the show from iphones to macbooks to apple tv to apple watches to trade-ins and much more now you can have the apple product of your dreams visit opulent inventory on opulentinventory.com and on instagram my guy nash and guardy are the very best in the game to provide you the apple product of your dreams now let's get back to the show
0: with the blood, that's all you level, okay.
1: Welcome, 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 everyone to the Semi Podcast Radio Show. Myself, Michael Gray, back at it again. Gorgeous evening here in the South. Friday night, Mike, Friday night lights. And it doesn't get
2: better than that. No, it definitely it doesn't get any better than this, man. It's, it's that time of the year as well. A lot of things can change in a week, man. You know, a lot. Of, we got a big show coming up, man. One week and one week can turn turn a lot of things around. It's crazy how the tide can turn
1: off <laughs> just after one week, right? Just after one week, like New Orleans, great in week one, and then look at where they're at now. But <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> like this is the best time of the year. We've got NBA. Preseason, we've got WNBA playoffs, we've got the MLB playoffs, and of course, we got the swing of things in the NFL. Mike, it's 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 in October to remember, Mike.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. We, and this, this, this is what we love to do, you know, it's, it's, it's the best time. Let's get to it, absolutely, absolutely. Let's get to it, Mike.
1: Let's talk about what the events that happened in week four. Obviously, the biggest mm. matchup was Tom Brady heading back to New England brady is it brady is it belichick's the six titles the 11 uh uh, uh, afc title appearances the 14 division titles right the six super bowl rings the nine appearances was it belichick was it brady who does the success really go to well mike i've always said as a pats fan you know i think it's both right i I think belichick wouldn't be who he is without brady but I also believe Brady wouldn't be who he is without Belichick. Both don't coincide with without each other. And so I, I think we saw that on Sunday night, right? Nobody knows Tom Brady more than Belichick. We we can agree with that. And he gave him some confusing looks, Mike. Tom Terrific did not look so terrific, right? He looked anemic. <laughs> so <laughs> he did not look good at all. And he missed some throws. He he it's like he saw ghosts out there in that secondary. And you give kudos to the guys up front, too. Matthew Judon and J.C. Jackson, some of these players, they've really stepped up on the Pats defense in that ballgame. But Belichick's game plan really proved to be very solid. But in the end, of course, Brady, they, they find ways, Mike, to just move the chains, right? They find ways to just win an ugly ball game. And I've always said this, a true measurement of a great team is what they do and when they win in ugly games when you just
2: don't have it on a Sunday. And they did that. Yeah, that's, that, that's the difference between some of these juggernaut teams and the battle-tested teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a combination of both. They're a, t- they're a juggernaut team, but they're also battle-tested, which means that they can play in any element and they can beat you in any style of game because of their experience and their understanding of how to pull through when it counts the most. And that's, and that's one, of, this is one of those situations where you saw it, um, which, is why, which is one of the differences I see between Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Kansas City, you know, sometimes doesn't have the wherewithal to win those ugly games because they're always looking for the big play, whereas Tom Brady has always been one of those guys to take what the defense gives them and, and goes from there. And the results show at the end of the day, and you saw it again against New England. It was a tough game. I mean, <laughs> the Patriots defense made it bad, made it physical for him. They, they got pressure on them, Judon and those boys. They, they were really putting a hat on Brady. And, you know, Belichick used some of that formula that other teams that had success with him when he was with the Patriots and, against Brady, Used it, used it then. So it was, it was an excellent game. And some of the offensive play calling that you saw, the trick plays and things like that, you just could just tell that's that's just Belichick versus, you know, this Brady situation going back and forth with each other. The play calling, the, the IQ, what you see on the field, and just getting ready to try trying, trying to maximize as many scoring opportunities as they could, knowing that they were going to be slim to none in this dif- defensive type game. So it was a it was a very good back and forth between the two. And we got, we got exactly what we wanted as fans, a, a finish at the buzzer. you uh, know, and, uh, and Brady, my supreme. Yep,
1: absolutely there for sure. That's a true clinical example of chess versus chess, right? Those oh, are yeah. two chess pieces. I, I would like to see a, a chess matchup between those two guys. Those are probably the one of the two most cerebral NFL players that perhaps the league has ever seen, right? One is a quarterback and one is a genius and a maestro at game planning, but also in-game adjustments in Bill Belichick and you saw that Mike in the game when you look at the other aspect on the other side young rookie quarterback from Alabama uh Mac Jones um there was a point in the game Mike 18 straight completions 18 straight completions he was dialed in as well and he didn't disappoint as well two touchdowns one interception 275 it wasn't his fault that of course the kicker don't that at the end he set his team up for success to perhaps win that game-winning field goal, but you have to leave and be encouraged by what you saw from Matt Jones.
2: 100%. You have to. I mean, he's battle-tested. We forget that he before with Alabama and, and things of that sort. So this this is a very battle-tested brother, Um, and he showed up today. He showed he showed out, and uh, he, he had a he had a little road that you like you said the 18th, 18, 18 the momentum. We start once you start rolling, it, it was it was it was going well for them. You started to see some success on this offense. With with the short passes and things of that nature, so yeah, no, I, it's it's definitely potential there for Mac Jones and what, what I saw you people have to like what they what they saw in this big game because there's hope for the Patriots in the future. Um, it, it's gonna take some time for them to get back to that that point where they used to be, but with this defense and how good they are, you definitely have something cooking out here in New England. Yeah, now I have to ask you the question here, Mike, because obviously you're a Giants fan
1: yes. and you've seen the, these two guys how they've dominated. Um, perhaps the league, the last two decades, the last 20 seasons. But of course, those two hiccups in a Super Bowl against your New York football Giants. But up close, you've been following these two guys and, and throughout their career for the last two decades. And so, if I were to ask you, knowing
2: you're a Giants fan,
1: who does the success go towards more?
2: Is it Belichick or is it Brady? It's a good, like you said, like I believe it's like you said earlier, it's a combination of both. I mean, you, you, you can argue semantics about who deserves it more. But like you said, Without the mindset of both of them together coming together as one, there would be no dynasty. Because you have a coach on the sideline getting everybody together, and then you have that proverbial coach on the field when you have your offense out there that can make in-game adjustments and that has seen the defense and that it became a routine system and it was geared to they they both put each other in play, in 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 places to in, to succeed. They um you know Belichick made sure that Brady was always in comfortable positions. Not getting hit as much with the short passes and things of that nature, but Tom Brady also executed on that field, especially in crunch time and winning situations when it matters most. So it's a combination of both. You got to put the players in position, and the players got to go out there and succeed and make things happen. And that's what you've seen them do for 20 for 20 years, 20 plus years. And um, it, they, they, it's like it's like a combination of respect and who who deserves the more accolades and awards and notoriety and recognition. It's a combination for both of them. It's not really a either side. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with that, Mike. You kind of, if
1: you want to, you know, compare this to the NBA, there's no Jerry Sloan without who? Carl Malone and John Stockton, right? There's no the triangle offense with Phil Jackson without Michael Jordan, right? There isn't Greg Popovich and the continuity between him and Tim Duncan, that partnership without that ball movement system that they have. So I I think these two guys, they're great at what they do, but at the end of the day, Mike, they are system players and there are mm-hmm. system coaches and they believe in that system and they've perfected that. And they so I, I I think that's 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 a great example of what we've seen with these two funds.
2: They sure did for a long period of time. And you gotta remember Belichick also made sure that you know it was consistent defenses and consistent, you know, just rotating, rotating the best guys for their spot to make sure that you know it, that Tom Brady always had a competitive defense to, to to go to go on the field with every Sunday on, on the opposite side of the ball. That that's coaching. That's you know player personnel understanding who fits this. Then then the third, the the artistry of weapons that he gave them. You know it wasn't even always the biggest names that Tom Brady was throwing to, but it was players that fit that system that Tom that you know would just work work for the Patriots system. So it, it's a combination of both, man. It really is. It's, it's it's it was great to see for twenty plus years. A dominant offensive player, and of
1: course Belichick, his background is defense. And guess who is it by? <laughs> Mr. Bill Parcells, <laughs> if you're a New York Football Giants, yeah, so. Bill, Bill Parcells has something to do with that. Uh, with how great of a uh, defensive strategic that Bill Belichick is. Other big games that we saw in Week Four, Mike Kyler Murray. I said it last week. I think he was my MVP. I stand by that. He put on a show in SoFi Stadium. He went from so far to so high because his stock is higher, Mike in the MVP campaign that he's having right now, I didn't think that they could go into LA and do what they did, dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, right? In the trenches. You had to take care of Donald. You had to take care of Leonard Floyd. They did that. And then the human joystick, right? And we asked yourself, you said you have to pray. And I said, I don't think there's any defense to kind of contain Kyler Murray, the way that he runs around and just makes anything out of nothing. And so – we saw that again in display in SoFi Stadium. They blew them out, out the waters, 37 to 20. Kyler Murray, another 300-yard day. Now he's hooking up with other people besides DeAndre Hopkins. A.J. Green's getting involved. Christian Kirk is getting involved. I think that spells trouble. And now you look atop, now it's the Arizona Cardinals, the lone, right, the lone undefeated team in the NFL and the top of the
2: NFC West. We're going to be talking about this 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 team consistently and how much of a juggernaut they are for weeks to weeks. And it's going to get to the point where fans are going to get tired of hearing us regurgitate the same thing. But this team really is that juggernaut that special. And, and, and you saw it. The Rams defense is one of the best defenses in the league, top to bottom. And yeah. they look confused out there. I mean, they, they, they look lost. I mean, because there's so many matchups that just don't favor defenses out here because you have to one-on-one everybody. So it's... This Kyler Murray and what he what he has that's at his disposal, Cliff Kingsbury and 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 the IQ and what they see on defense I agree. as far it's as Cliff defenses is and stuff. It's yep. it's 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 a combination that's set up to succeed in this and for this team and this office. And then you have a comfortable defense that isn't the best defense in the league, but they're good enough that that with this offense they can take you far. You know they're no slouches themselves. So man, I, I'm just. I'm loving what I'm saying from this team top to bottom. Kyler Murray is the leading candidate for MVP so far. It's so early in the season to even talk about this stuff. But it's, it's, he's definitely playing the best out of out of anybody so far, in my opinion. So Arizona, is a, once again, should prove that on display against a top team. And uh, we'll, we'll see how long they can keep this rolling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. We'll see if they can keep that rolling there as well because they are an absolute machine at this point. And I got to give some love to Cliff Kingsbury. Coming from college, making that transition to the NFL, most coaches can't do that, and they can't have early success. But quickly, you've seen that with Kings Kingsbury. And it's not that easy seeing the Rams' defense getting torched and getting, yard- getting a whole bunch of yardage given up like that. And that was impressive. That was impressive. And more impressively, Mike, is you went on the road that that that's what's troubling. And in this division that I said is the hardest division in football, road wins weigh a lot more
2: than home wins. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, Arizona is is very pivotal because we know when I, every time they play at home, no matter how well they're playing, there's usually a neutral crowd. But the, but they still love playing at home. That's the key. But they have the type of team where they can they can beat you so so mm-hmm. well. They can they can play on they can play on the road as well. It's it's like a combination thing. They don't have to be at home on the road, but um, yeah. Man, this team is special, and they're showing you week to week how dangerous they can be.
1: Agreed. And speaking of special, Mike, it aches you and pains you to say this, but I think you gave us a little bittersweet taste of that nasty you know medicine that you have to just take but the Dallas Cowboys Mike <laughs> I think it's that this that medicine that you just don't want to taste you oh, told man. me last week that you thought these fellas could be for real I, I I think they put the the league on notice another 40 point performance uh against the Carolina Panthers who at that point Mike was the top ranked defense in the NFL JC yeah, Horn yeah. who was the rookie he made an immediate impact' um, there as well and they just torped them and ripped them apart right now Mike they have a high powered o- octane mm-hmm. offense they can run the football they have an elite uh offensive line that is reverting to that offensive line that pro football. One said that was the best in pro football. I think we're seeing a bounce back here from Zeke. He's hearing all the chatters, all the noise. Maybe Tony Pollard is better than him. He said, Tony, who? And <laughs> I, was just like, I was like, I want not Tony. I know it's the one from Frosted Flakes. I think he's having a bounce back season, Mike. And then Dak attack. Dak Prescott is flinging the ball downfield. And then Quandre Diggs, he's got to be the defensive player of the year. Trayvon, the, uh, Trayvon. Trayvon, excuse me. Trayvon, yeah. not Quandre. <laughs> <laughs> Trayvon Diggs and what Michael Parsons is doing. So they're living up to that star that's on
2: the that helmet, Mike. 100%. 100% they are. And it's, just, it's, it's actually a joy to watch, man. It really is fun to watch these brothers play because they it's a balance attack. It's funny how you said about Zeke. You know, thinking about it, Tony Zeke has actually switched his mentality because he sees that the the, the opportunity and just how dangerous they are when they had this, this this double whammy at the running back position going on. You know, switching. Rotating some of the snaps and you know just dominating. Of course, Ezekiel's gonna get his touches, but Pollard is coming in and he's coming in at crucial times. And they and they and they faring well with each other. they they have a nice little one-two punch going down there in Dallas. And then obviously the, it opens up everything on the outside for these dangerous weapons. Makes them look even more. Makes them look even more open and more elite and more elite than what they what they are. So. Man, man, the, Cow- the Cowboys are playing good ball. They're being very opportunistic on the defensive side. I believe they have uh, either lead the league in turnovers or in like the top three or four in turnovers so far this season. They they are they are making it known on all levels to take the ball away from these offenses. So I love what I'm seeing from them. We got a big game against the Giants this, this Sunday, I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, they- how things play out. But I love what I see from the Cowboys once again against a top defense. Oh, man, it's scary. Because they can beat scary. you in so many ways. Abby. Yeah, I,
1: I, I've i been impressed by what I see. They can run the football 30 times, and they can also fling the ball in 30 times, man. and you really can't double anybody. And one thing I've noticed, uh, two things. Number one is this is the best roster that Dak and Zeke has had since their rookie season when they went For 13-3 and sure. and they all lost uh, to Green Bay Packers at home in that divisional matchup game. Mason Crosby game-winning field goal. This is the best roster that they've had, by far. By far the best roster overall. And Michael Gallup is not even in the swing of things. That That is absolutely scary, Mike. <laughs> Number two, when we think about the Dallas Cowboys, we think about they're always drama. They're always around the paparazzis. They're always it's – a, it's a casino. It's Jerry World. It's Jerry Jones. These guys are hungry, Mike. I don't see that arrogance now. Sometimes when you wear that star and you get this, that spotlight on you – you get to, you get overwhelmed. You think you get good in Hollywood and stuff. These guys, they don't have that arrogance this year. They they know that last year wasn't Dallas Cowboys football with all that talent that they have on both sides of the ball. But with key additions like Keanu Neal, with the emergence now of a second year for uh, 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 Trayvon Diggs, now with Michael Parsons who brings that hybrid type of linebacker where he can cover, but also they want him on that four point stance. And rushing the quarterback, you're seeing that hungry, hungry Dallas Cowboy teams of the 90s revert themselves and not falling in love to all of the spotlight and all of the drama that comes being the Dallas Cowboy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear it. You hear Dak Prescott saying, I'm not, I'm blocking out the noise, I'm not really paying attention to the positivity, or I'm not really letting it phase my mental. Uh, to some degree you hear it we've heard that in the past from the cowboys but we saw a different we saw something different on the field now we're seeing their actions meet 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 all, all the expectations and all the words and everything that's coming out so th- that that's one of the biggest things. like you said that arrogance that understanding that we've been here we've been in that situation and we come in here to take over so it's just it's a whole different mentality like you said a, ba- a better roster and then you see how flexible they are. Just with Mika Parsons, he's 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 on his way to being the defensive uh, rookie of the year. Or well, by far, I, but the way he's playing, yeah. Yeah. he's he's gonna be a special piece. So it's, they 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 just have too too many ballers on 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 their on their side that are making plays, and they're playing together as a unit, and they're all coming together. So that that that's <laughs> always been the biggest thing. They've always had the talent but have they been able to come together and were they were they ready for the – were they experienced and battle tested enough for the moment? And that's what you're seeing from the Cowboys right now. Let's talk about uh, Trayvon Diggs, right? Let's focus yes. on him, Mike, because
1: um, I saw the potential in Alabama. We knew he was a top five recruit <laughs> as if Alabama doesn't get all of them and breed them. But uh, first two, first year in, in the NFL, I you know, he was – he gambled a lot, right? We've seen the athleticism. We've seen the talent. But we said, man, if you were just patient and you use your technique, you would have been good. Amari Cooper on the bench after this weekend against Carolina, he looked at and started talking to some of the other wideouts. He said, Trayvon, you, you got to start collecting them now. I was like, yeah, you get better start collecting them now because they're not going to throw on your side. So yeah. you can. And we're starting to see that. And, and we're starting to see an emergence of perhaps an elite athlete Starting to use that and and be more cerebral with his play with mechanics, because sometimes when you're an athlete, you tend to just you know like play with instincts, Mike, right? just like Troy Polamalu used to do. Until when Troy figured out that wow, I could use my athleticism with mechanics, and now I, I think that's what the adjustment that Trayvon Diggs in his second year in the NFL he's starting to do. And Amari's probably right. <laughs> you collect them early
2: cuz they're not going to be thrown on one side 100% and what you're seeing from Trayvon Diggs is an improvement in his all-around game. When he came into the league, he wasn't the best one-on-one corner. He was much he was a much better zone corner cuz that, that that's where he bowled well a lot in Alabama once once he got his one-on-one better and cow, and the Cowboys started to put him in certain positions, zone-wise, for him to make plays, be in the area, because he's a ball hawk, and he's a very good athlete, so once he's in the area, he's more than likely going to either make a deflection or make a jump and make a play on the ball, and that's what you're seeing. He's been very opportunistic all season long, so once he's got and he's also actually gotten better in his one-on-one coverage, so when they do flex out and throw him one-on-one on some of these receivers, he's able to make those plays and travel and make it happen, so he's improved his all-around game. He's improved his mechanics and technique but i just i love what i'm seeing from his one-on-one on on skills and the plays that he's making in these zone reads because they're 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 putting him in in position to succeed
1: yeah they are definitely there for sure it's crazy to say mike but the dallas cowboys they look legit as a contender perhaps this year to come out of the nfc another team that we didn't see this uh come this season but really impressed me was the monday night clash of the afc west titans now Both West, the NFC and the AFC to me, are the toughest, toughest divisions in football. That's probably why they say, Mike, it's the wild, wild West, right? So we got a chance to see the Chargers go up against the Las Vegas Raiders um, at home in SoFi as well. And Justin Herbert, he was as advertised, Mike. I said last week, I didn't see this in Oregon. I saw the mobility. I saw the arm, I, 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 but I didn't see this. I, I didn't think mm. this would be coming early, but Justin Herbert has to be right there with Kyler Murray in, in, in the thick of things for the MVP campaign against an undefeated team like the Las Vegas Warriors that took care of business at home and the Chargers as well. Now they're atop of the AFC West and then it's funny to say, but now Kansas City is the hunter, not the hunted.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, it's going to be like that for, for 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 now and for the time being because of how much of a juggernaut that, that, that team is. The Chargers are special. The Chargers are, are, very, are a very special team and they're very balanced on both sides. They, they're, they're another one of those juggernaut offensive teams that just have so many different weapons. And then when you add someone and this is going to be crazy, when you add someone like a Jared Cook to your offense heavy, he's not a household name. He's not a superstar name. But on third downs. In red zone situations, that's huge and that's key because Keenan Allen gets a lot of attention on those on, on, on those, type, those type of situations. But when you have someone like a big body, a veteran like a Jared Cook in the middle, that softens that, that up and that just frees up space on for, for, for other players to eat and make plays as well. So they they have they have made smart acquisitions in the off season. They got healthier on defense. It's it's, a, it's great to see Derwin James out there making plays. Absolutely. They missed him tremendously last year. Obviously, they missed Boa. Boa's Bo Bosa is healthy uh, coming into this year. So they got healthy on defense and they they made smart plays as far as who they're going to pick up um, on offense to, to shore up this offense, to, to shore up this entire team. And um, I, I just love what I'm seeing from the Chargers. It's a special ball club. The Raiders are still a good team as well. But when you, have, when you play a tough team like the Chargers, you can't get down 21 to them. And when you make a comeback, you have certain plays that you have to make within that comeback in order to fulfill it. They didn't make those plays. That's why they ended up losing, uh, how they lost on Monday Night Football, not being able to complete the comeback. And Chargers finished them all. But the, the Raiders are still a very competitive and tough team. They showed a lot of heart even coming back in that game. Shouldn't have been in that position. But they just got off to such a slow start. And uh, the the, the charges prevailed in that aspect, but it's going to be a, a tough race to see who's going to win this division. Um, I definitely see a dogfight between the Chargers and Chiefs, and they set up for that for, for that game. later on in the season, whenever it happens, that's going to be the biggest game of that division. Whenever the Chargers and Chiefs play each other, they've already set it up. Uh, set that up. It's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a huge moment whenever it happens, and uh, it could it could very well Savi, decide this division.
1: Absolutely, and it could also might be flexed to one of those prime yeah, time games, maybe exactly. a Sunday night or a four o'clock right time tip off uh, for whatever time it would be in SoFi Stadium for that matchup as well. Any key notes or key headlines that also you took after in Week Four? Well, my, well, Big Blue got a win.
2: You know, I was I was happy when we, we talked about the Saints and how they look. Well, a lot of the reason why they look that way, 70, is because the New York Giants decided to play football and play as a, play as a collective team and play assertive. And that's what I like what I saw. I saw assertion from the New York Giants on uh, Sunday against the New Orleans Saints, against a tough crowd. Uh, New, New Orleans' first home game of the season, down 11 in the fourth quarter. Saquon comes back, starting to get his juice back, starting to get his legs back. And Daniel Jones has probably his best performance of his career, throwing for four hundred yards, winning the coin toss in overtime, going right down the field and scoring a touchdown, not giving them a chance to do anything. The assertion from the Giants is something I something I took notice of and something I was very proud of. And that momentum could definitely give them give them a great chance and give them a lot of confidence going into that game against Dallas uh, this Sunday. but that, that that was one of the key headlines that I took. Also, you know, the, the Ravens going going back and taking care of business. The Rams, in my opinion, the Rams, the Rams, I know they lost to the Cardinals, but I think Matthew Stafford should be in the MVP conversation as well. Sammy. That's another one of my takes.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Matthew Stafford. We'll talk about what he did in game, in, in week five as well, up in Seattle uh, there as well. I, I think Seattle worries me, Mike. Seattle worries me. Let's talk about what happened on Thursday night. With them. The, the thing for me in Seattle is since they won the Super Bowl in 2013 and they went back in 2014 and obviously losing to the Patriots from 2015 to where we're at now in 2021, that's six straight seasons, right? Uh-huh. The event entered the playoffs and they haven't advanced. They haven't advanced after winning a game. So they haven't won back to back playoff games since that 2014 year when they went back to the Super Bowl yes they've won games in the postseason advanced to the division around but it's been hard for Russell Wilson to get a number one seed get a number two seed since that Legion of Boon era they've had to go on the road they've had to play in wild card rounds in wildcard weekend and that concerns me for Seattle and now Russell Wilson who is a household name now in his 10th season by the way kudos to him Mike fastest quarterback to get to 100 wins in NFL history. Got to give it to Dangerous for that. But um, it concerns me because now he's got a pinky that is hurting him, and he's in the hardest division in football. You look up, Arizona's four 4-0. You've got the Rams 4-1, and and right behind their tail is the 49ers. Now, we're uncertain of how Trey Lance is going to play. We hear great things about Trey Lance. Maybe he's the next great Josh Allen, next great Pat, Patty Mahomes. We don't know who he is. So that's to be seen, but uh, it concerns you with Seattle, Mike, because without Russell Wilson, now you got Geno Smith. That's a drastic downgrade, but Seattle hasn't been the same since that 2014 season. So that, that, that really concerns me. But when you talk about Matthew Stafford, uh, that vertical offense that they've implemented now, bringing additions like Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, who's acting like an all pro this year, the Rams. They're, they're although they had a hiccup at home, I think they reasserted themselves still as one of the top crops in the NFC.
2: One hundred percent. And Seattle strikes me as like you said over the last six years. That's been one of those teams that's just been there. They they've been a competitive regular season team. Uh, they, 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 they 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 might advance to the second round of the playoffs, but that's about it. They've been a team that's just been. Just been there. They haven't gone up and and, been, and looked like a contender, but they also haven't dipped down to the point where they're in rebuild mode. They're, they're just in the middle of the pack team. And during Russell Wilson's, I want to say, best years and the the, the 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 best time for him to maximize his potential of getting another championship, that that does not bode well for them. Because like you said, we're seeing the injuries pile up. Uh, we have, we have an injury a situation where he's going to be out for the next potential potentially month and a half, month and a half, two months. That, that that doesn't bode well because you're in a division, you're in a situation right now where you can't afford mediocrity. There, there's too much uh, elite talent and elite football being played with, within your division alone, yet alone the conference, for you to be just a middle-of-the-pack team. And that's exactly what the Seahawks have been over the last few years, just a middle-of-the-pack team. They haven't gone up or down. You know, it's almost like the, the, the NFL's version of the Portland Trailblazers, if I had to make a comparison to what the Seahawks have been over the last few years. They've just been there. So until, until Seattle starts to start, one well once they healthy with Russell, but match the energy of the Arizona Cardinals with the LA Rams teams like that. You know, it, it's, it's, you, you, you have to match these teams. You have to match the energy that they're bringing and then the, the personnel that they're bringing in order to compete, not only with the division, but with this tough NFC. And that's not what Seattle has been doing. And they, it's unfortunate they got hit with another injury. Um, We'll see. We'll see what Geno Smith is able to do for for this time being. Yep, absolutely,
1: absolutely that for sure. And when we look at the other side, I made last week comparisons. I've seen Warren Sapp. I've seen uh, some of the great inside linemen in the NFL. But Aaron Donald, <laughs> the sacks leader in franchise history, 88 and a half for a defensive tackle. Mike, I don't think you understand how hard <laughs> that is. I don't think you understand how hard that is to have 88 sacks. As a defensive lineman, as yeah. a defensive tackle, excuse me, not a defensive lineman. Right. Obviously, when you play in the edge, you know, your straight hands, your Jared Allen's, you got that ability to have to bend around or to bull rush or maybe to do some spinovers like Dwight Freeney. But when you're inside and you're going up against mammoth elephants and you got your double team, your triple team, and you have 88.5 sacks. And that is incredible to me, Mike. Like, I don't think people put into perspective how hard that is to be a defensive tackle and to have 88 and a half sacks in a seven year span. You do the math, Mike. He's had (laughs) double digit average sacks as a defensive tackle in eight seasons in the NFL. That's extraordinary. And that's That's been for you. That's the three-time defensive player of the year for you. That's only J.J. Watt, and that's only the great Lawrence Taylor who's had those accolades three straight times as the NFL record for you. That's Aaron Donald for you, Mike. Aaron Donald's a special
2: breed. He's a special talent. And uh, he, he's, he's a dominant force, and a, a work, a work, he, his work ethic is tremendous. is off the charts. And he's a dominant force in the middle uh, during, 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 an, during an era and a time where passing is inevitable. Like can, can you imagine like he's I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Donald he's he's playing tremendous and he's he's a he's a force in the middle and and there there's nothing in the league right now like him but can you imagine if Lawrence Taylor was playing in this passing league in this passing era Sebi? Oh, can my. you imagine if Warren Sapp was playing in this era they, they they it would it would be it would be just as just as extraordinary and special if not more than what Aaron Donald is doing that. Aaron Donald is is playing great. I'm not taking anything away from him. Man. He he deserves to be celebrated. But I, I just it's it's a joy watching him watching them play, watching him go out there and produce and dominate. Not only just the passing game, but in the running game as well. I mean, his technique yeah. is, is is pure. On triple teams, they can't do anything with him because quarterbacks have to step up in the pocket. And once they step up or find a way, he's elusive enough to get off blocks and make the play. But, like he's just there's nothing they can do with this man. He's a workaholic. He's a he's a he's a he's a force. Man, and he just makes the job of Leonard Floyd and all these other defenders on this defense, rushing the quarterback or getting playing in the box. He makes it that much more easier for these guys. Well, Drew Brees, obviously, he played in the same conference as as the Saints, (laughs) and now he's
1: with the NBC Sunday Night Football Telecast. He said that this guy wrecks your entire game plan up front because, like Mike, unlike you know, Sap and some of these other guys like JJ Watt. He has that size, but he's smaller than them, but quicker, quick so he glides, right? He's he quick. glides. He knows how to shed and just wham around uh, players. And it's just, well, next thing you know, in two seconds, he's in your backfield. Right? And so double, double teams can't wreck him. No, nope. prepare for triple teams because he knows that he's the game plan up front and he doesn't complain, Mike. He continues to work. He continues to work. And what I like now, they are starting to move him around and that's scary. So they're not even putting them in the middle. they're putting out in the edge, and they're putting they they're starting to utilize them in different ways where you you see the defense of the Rams. They're moving around Jalen Ramsey as a chess piece too. He's starting to be in blitz packages. He's starting to be down in the box and playing uh, uh, the run. And so they're moving Donald around like that. and I, I think there's gonna be uh, there's gonna be plenty of more sacks for that guy. Uh, to be there as well, he is extraordinary. He is absolutely extraordinary, Mike.
2: He has the potential to break the record, the, the all-time uh, sacks record, and um, depending on how long he wants to play, I, I see him doing it. I mean, he, he just he keeps himself in shape. I see him have. I see him playing playing for quite some time left, and uh, he's he's just he's hungry, man. He's driven. He's never lost a step. He's never lost his <laughs> hunger, his passion to want to be great and grind. So, uh, hats off to Aaron Donald. He's you you're seeing him reap the benefits, and hopefully he gets that 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 coveted championship that'll put him over the top and put him in the conversation with these with the other greats as, far as you know on that level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen some great pass rushers, Mike Von Miller. He's out, He's got Ooh. he's got over 109 sacks. Your guy Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck. Big we've money. seen guys like Jared Allen. We've seen guys. <laughs> we've seen guys, of course, like Demarcus Ware. But I mean, I'm telling you, this guy right here is just unbelievable because he's doing it from the inside and they're starting to move him from the outside. (laughs) Unreal. Unbelievable. He is that special and that real there for sure. And the Rams are for sure (laughs) solidified as a top team in the NFC. But when we come back, Mike, we're going to shift gears to the WNBA. There's a certain team in Chicago that stamped their tickets to the WNBA Finals. We'll go ahead and talk about that. It's the podcast radio show only heard and stream here on WNSC radio. And we are back here in the Savvy podcast radio streaming here on WNSC radio. A certain team in the Midwest punched their ticket, Mike, to the WNBA finals. That was the Chicago Sky. Last time they did that was in 2014 with your girl, Elena Deladon, doing that before she got traded to the Mystics, of course. But <laughs> the girl from Chicago that moved back home led her team to the finals, and that is Candace Parker, Mike, 15.2 points nine plus rebounds and seven and a half assists in that series against the top-seeded the best-record Connecticut Sun. And with MVP Jockwell Jones and Mike, that was just spectacular. She had teammates that helped her out as well. Gabby as well. You also had Vanderslout who played a huge (laughs) role in that series there as well. Stephanie Dawson uh, checking in as well but it starts with cp3 not the one from phoenix but the one in chicago and candace did her thing mike and kudos to the <clears throat> chicago sky
2: kudos to the chicago sky as well and and, and this series if anything showed show for any fans if it didn't show them anything it showed them that matchups and styles make fights because the Connecticut Sun were the most consistent and best team throughout the entire yeah, season. They were dominant and too, and they Mike. and they went against the the one team and the the one matchup in the league that that could give them the most problems, and that that they just didn't match up well with. And that was the Chicago Sky. Based on how the Connecticut Sun liked to play defense, and did they like to pack the paint and things of that nature? Chicago just has too many scorers on the outside that that can get a bucket. Uh, just just too many bucket getters. In order to spread that defense out, and it just it just halted them, and they had no answer for it throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. And you just you saw it on full display. I mean, like, like you said, Candace Parker did a thing as well. But then when you think about Kalia Cooper, who was an absolute beast, Courtney Vandersloot, like you afforded to, three point sniper, knocking down shots all over the place, Diamond the Shields. I mean, they just had Stephanie Doss. They just had too many, too many pieces, too many scorers for this Connecticut Sun team, and you Hats off, and you you feel bad in a sense for John Jones because she really had an MVP season. And in order to beat the Chicago team, she would have needed one of those uh, 30, 30 uh, 30-point, 20-rebound type of games in order to really beat this team and really give this team a chance because they were outmatched. They just didn't match up uh, um, scoring-wise against the Chicago team. It was too many bucket getters, too many snipers from the outside, and (laughs) – and, you, and you, so you saw it on full display. It's, it's a great story for Candace Parker coming back to Chicago uh, and, and, um, and leading this team to the WNBA Finals. And also, it's also even better because you're coming off her becoming the first woman to ever grace the cover of the NBA 2K. So it's just, it's like it's, it's, it's perfectly, perfectly written for her, and uh, her story is being written as we speak. Absolutely. I'll see you there for sure. And then on the western side of the bracket, Mike,
1: we're down <laughs> to a huge showdown tonight. The Las Vegas Aces winning a crucial, crucial game four in the desert against the Mercury. At that point, the Mercury were up 2-1 looking to do what the Phoenix Suns did in the NBA Finals. The ladies were trying to do that in the WNBA Finals. But a crucial, crucial game in game four. Ladies like Kelsey Plum stepped up in game four. Liz Cambridge stepped up in game four to set the tone. Six aces, Mike, were in double digits, right? Six aces were in double figures, and that propelled them to force the decisive game five, which is tonight at 9 Eastern. Uh, Key inactives for the uh, uh, Mercury, that may hinder them tonight, Mike. Um, So we'll see what happens, but a pivotal, pivotal game five in that aces and Mercury series. And what have we seen there? Because much like you said in styles meet fights, in the Eastern bracket, I think the Aces are starting to see that, you know, the the Mercury match up very well with them as well. And the Aces one and Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner, they've set the tone.
2: Man, so I mean, th- this is one of the situations I was talking about when we kicked off the show. We said a lot could change in a week because, man, f- from, the time that we, from the time that we said what we said about the Aces and how how dominant they looked off, coming off of game one, those next two games, man, it looked like the exact opposite, didn't it? I mean, it was, it was bad. Phoenix was dominant. Diana Taurasi was looking like, you know, like she had turned back the clock. And she was just knocking down shots all over the place. And she was playing sensational ball. And uh, in this game four, you just saw that third quarter is what he broke it off for them. You know, in the first half, they were tossing. You saw the Aces come out aggressive. Um, but but, Mer- but Phoenix was right there as well. Phoenix was right there doing that thing but that third quarter they outscored uh the Las Vegas outscored Phoenix 28 to 11 in that third quarter and, and and broke away from a four point lead at halftime to a 21 point lead going into the fourth quarter they 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 they, they didn't want to just win that game they wanted to send a message to Phoenix that before we come back to Vegas you, you know that we're one of, we're still one of those top teams in the league and we're still they we're still that same team that um that the that same dominant team we've been all year so uh this game 5 tonight is going to be crucial Vegas is obviously because they're the favorites. They're going to come in with this immense pressure and things like that. Phoenix is going to come in with, uh, you know, uh, almost with house money, nothing to lose mentality, you knowing that they're, they're the underdogs. So I want to see what type of effort is being is being put out there tonight. It's going to it should be a dog fight, but um, you know, may the best lady may the best one ladies win. Yeah, absolutely. We were in of Ultra
1: Arena <laughs> a few months ago in Vegas, and we were out there, Mike, and we know how hostile in and that environment can be when it's really packed. Uh, there as well. So in the decisive game five tonight, who who has the the edge? Is it Bill Lambert's team, or will the same success that Diana Taurasi had in game two, when she just caught fire, will that propel the Mercury to head back to the WNBA finals?
2: Man, that's tough. I would I would I would I would give the the the, the nod as far as who has the edge to the Aces, coming off that that dominant win. They look like they got their groove back defensively. They got physical with Phoenix. You saw it—hard elbows. You saw uh, taking charges in the paint. You you, you saw you saw them uh, sending hard picks. It was it was a physical ball club, and they saw that in order to really beat this team, you have to get physical with them. That they, they they stopped all the, the knockdown shots from the outside, all the easy penetrations. No, they made Phoenix work for every single bucket. So I feel like they have the formula that they stick to their game plan at home they have the edge in this series because if they get physical like that again, Phoenix doesn't have the defensive prowess or the, um, uh, enough offensive power, for firepower to stay, to, to, to obtain what, what the Vegas is going gonna, is gonna to throw at them. So I would say Vegas has the edge at home in this game five, and I see them winning this game and moving on to play the Chicago Sky in the WNBA NBA Finals. Uh, and, that, uh, and that
1: would be a huge WNBA Finals. Ooh. Imagine headlines and ratings for that. That would be a great, 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 great WNBA finals there for sure there as well. Let's switch, Mike, to the men's game and NBA and what we've seen thus far. Uh, Key things that that stood my attention, we talked about the Sacramento Kings uh, late in our last episode, and I've seen nothing different from what we saw last year. You said, Mike, they were one of the highest scoring offenses, one of the most efficient offenses last year. Defense was a problem. Now you bring guys in like a Davion Mitchell, who's a great on-ball defender, already taking the challenge to go up against Paul George. I watched that Clippers game, and I saw, wow, this yeah. is special. He could beat you on both ends of the floor. He can take your best offensive a uh, uh, player and actually go ahead and go in the tussle and a dog fight with him. And then on offense, he can run the show, and he can get his and sometimes that's 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 the true mark of, of a great player, Mike. Sometimes when you're a great on-ball defender, you see guys like Paul George and you get overwhelmed. He's six <laughs> eight, he's smooth, he's silk, he can get to any spot on the floor. His game is so silky and he's and, and just got a, a a rhythm game. But hey, when you're Davion Mitchell and you're that dog, you said bring the challenge on. And and I think that is going to be the edge that Sacramento focuses on this season. I think they're going to be a surprise team this year. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they make the playoffs, Mike.
2: Yeah, it definitely would surprise me as well. It would almost surprise me if they didn't make the playoffs or at least become, or at least get in the play in and they're in the conversation of making the playoffs because they, they have the ingredients this year to make some things happen. When you think of, like like you said, the addition of Davion Mitchell and the other defender I was thinking about last week and I couldn't think of his name, Sebby, Louise King. That's who I was thinking of, Louise King. The brother, the brother is actually from uh, up here in Essex County, New Jersey. He's a great defender. He's, he's long. He's got, great, he's got great size on the outside, on the perimeter. He adds to the defensive prowess that this team can make in rotation coming off the bench um, for, for this team because offensively they're, they're going to be a juggernaut again. I expect nothing less from this team offensively, along with what Tristan, Tristan Thompson can bring, can bring to the team as well. So Sacramento is going to look well. You saw that Davion Mitchell, not only does he have the ability to, to, to match up with some of these uh, tough perimeter offensive scorers, but he has the want-to and the mentality to go out there and get it. He's not afraid of these guys. You saw a glimpse of it in summer league. You saw it again in preseason. This is just who this guy is. You know, he won a championship with this mentality at Baylor. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table for this Kings team and the resurgence of them as a total package on both sides of the ball. I know it's preseason, Mike.
1: And <laughs> I know I know it's preseason, Mike. But man, Lonzo, Caruso, DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic. Wow, y- you yeah. gotta, you gotta like what the Bulls did against the Cavaliers. They put on a show. If that is what's expected this season, the Bulls might not even make the playoff. They might be a top five team because mm-hmm. man. This team, uh, well, I, could, I know it's preseason, Mike, but look, dog. <laughs> Yo, the Chicago Bulls in transition, de- leading defense to offense. Billy Donovan preaching that to these young guys, bringing uh, seasoned veterans and adding that to a young team and then adding acquisitions like Javante G- Green to bring that athletic wing uh, 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 to play on that weekend. And then adding Caruso. Lonzo, oh, I know it's one game and it's
2: preseason, Mike, but Chicago looks nice, Mike. <laughs> no, you're not lying, man. Even in the midst of a preseason matchup and something that, you know, a, a preseason matchup is something that we're not supposed to, that, that doesn't really count in the standards, um, you, you still can read between the lines. And you still can, you still, we still have the wherewithal to see potential, when, when, when we see it and we see the we see the potential and the makings of a very solid uh, foundation being built in Chicago with the with the pieces that they've uh, acquired o- over time man it, it does look special you know we hear all the jokes I know you've seen all the memes on social media uh, Caruso and Jordan and you know, put him in the goat status and all this stuff just just for fun and jokes man it's just it's a buzz around this team it's just' a, it's a, it's a certain confidence and they didn't they didn't acquire superstar players. But they acquire players that are, are are stars in their role and that and that will mesh well with this team and, and coming together. And you saw a glimpse of it in the preseason. That's all. It was just a glimpse of what's to come because it's too many. It's too many great players around each other in order for this team not to be successful. And you're gonna see them how you're gonna see how they they can be a juggernaut on certain on on any given night in the NBA setting. So the Chicago team should be. In, in, in the playoff conversation. They should be in the top six, seven in the conversation of who, who's going to make the playoffs in the East. The East is going to be very competitive this year, and the Chicago Bulls' um is, is one of the main reasons for that. And, and, and Mike, being
1: a Florida Gator fan in both basketball and football and knowing how Billy Donovan orchestrates as a coach, he mm. really wants to play ball movement. He doesn't yeah. really like playing offensive now, you think about the guys he's had in Florida, Teron Green, you think about Al Horford, Joe Kim Noah, Bradley Bill, great isolation players, but he really wants to play ball movement, and I, I'm drinking a Kool-Aid because I know of how he wants to play, and the players kind of like you mentioned that he brought in, right, so now, all of those late game situations that Levine was getting double teams, now he has DeRozan to defer to in late game situations to say, you know what, it's your turn, your turn if you get doubled you can kick it out to me and now he can play a lot of off ball because now what Lonzo Ball is bringing the ball up right so you're gonna mm-hmm. see a lot of ball movement and off the ball movement with Levine whereas Levine last year was top five in the NBA with usage but also with ball handling duties you're, he's not gonna be having to do that this year and then Vucevic can of course dominate inside so Chicago is interesting to me and then you get an instant offense like Caruso, this is
2: this is <laughs> going to be a team that we're going to reckon with, Mike. I, I I can see the vision. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure, one hundred percent. And based on where Chicago's been the last few years, they're they're going to ascend to to a to a level that's going to have them in in heavy playoff contention and be be very competitive in this league. And um, it, it it's just it's just going to be one of the teams that you see that improves the Eastern Conference and, and as a as, as a whole as far as how competitive they are.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. There for sure. Of course, when we talk about the NBA, it's all about the stars and it's all about the top teams. None other than the one of the big beasts in the East, your Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is the talk of New York, Mike. He's the talk of New York, and 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 there's no way around it. Um, you know, extra, extra. Read all about it. The New York Times has Kyrie Irving's face on it. That's point blank period, Mike. What what is going on with your guy? Uh, he's something's got to give Mike something's got to give Kyrie cannot just be playing road games and not be vaccinated to play home games I I think last week I mentioned that I can't imagine a scenario that the Nets are going to be a top one or top two seed in the East have home court in these playoff games against the Miami Heats potentially against the Milwaukee Bucks of the world and Kyrie Irving not playing
2: in a seven game series so something's got to happen Mike what's there to give well uh, well I think one of this one of the situations that we have right now is Kyrie's in the situation where he wants to wait it out he where he understands that you know he's in a he's in a battle for his choice and his right as a human being to to um to not decide to to, to make a decision that for the betterment of his health and um this is a personal decision despite what anybody wants to say at the end of the day this is a personal decision whether or not you're taking the vaccine or not you know so this is a, so with Kyrie's situation. He's in a bad, He's in a situation where New York, the state of New York, and California, and, and and Oakland specifically, San Francisco, are banning anyone, banning anyone who is who is basically not vaccinated. So if he had played in any other team in any other situation, we wouldn't be having this conversation because there's plenty of other brothers in the, in the league that aren't vaccinated, but they but they're still able to play for their teams. But because he plays in New York City. The, with the mandate going on, he has to he has to get it done for uh, for a situation because of because of everything that's going on, and he won't be able to play home games. So that's that's why it's a lot of rip uh, going on, and it's just it, it's a bad it's a battle for his right as a human being to make a choice, and it's unfortunate that he's going through this situation. <clears throat> uh, I think with with the pull that Joe Sy has with the a potential upcoming mayor. In New York, there could be a possibility for an exemption for Kyrie later on down the line. I think Kyrie's going to wait this thing out because, at the end of the day, it's his choice. And if he doesn't want to take the vaccine, he's not going to take it. And the Brooklyn Nets are going to do what's best, what's in their best interest as a team, whether they're going to trade him. I don't think that's going to happen because of the relationship with KD and Kyrie. But they're if they're going to trade him, they're going to try to make that decision later on down the, later on down the line. But if they don't, it's a, it's a situation where because of everything that's going on, because Kyrie is one of the ringleaders of putting together this team, there could be a situation where they make this work down the line and there's a potential exemption. Or who knows, Kyrie might change his mind down the line and get the vaccine. You know, you just never know with this situation. But at, at the same time, there, there is a war going on right now for your right as a human being to make a choice. And Kyrie Irving has made his choice along with other players, but he's in a situation where he has to make this choice or that. And uh, he's not willing to um, compromise himself for an NBA contract.
1: Absolutely. And and, and I'm very much understanding Mike, but I I think this, this can be pretty bad for for the Nets Uh, just, just strictly basketball on the court, just because I I think if Sean Marks and if Jay-Z has a conversation with Kevin Durant, because, one of the reasons why Kevin Durant came to the Nets was because Kyrie bought in and he was one of the guys that were initially there and then recruited Kevin to come there. But we all know it starts and ends with Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? So if they have a conversation with Kevin Durant and says, look, Kyrie has two weeks. If he doesn't give us something, are you okay with us trading him? They're going to probably have that conversation with James as well. And, and I, knowing those guys and how close they are, I know they're going to say no, but man, if they were to say yes, it, it would be challenging and hard to think that Kyrie Irving would not be in a Nets uniform. Can you imagine, Mike, that they said, "Are you okay if we trade Kyrie and were to bring in a guy like Ben Simmons?" Could could, could you believe what the headlines would be in New York? That that would be insane and outrageous. So I, I just think that this could get ugly, Mike. I think this could get ugly in a sense where if pressure is being brought on Kyrie from up top, man, from management, and saying that you got a time period to make a decision, I, I think this can really get out of hands.
2: Yeah, it potentially, it potentially could. It really depends on how it plays out and, uh, and what, what, what ultimately strikes down whether or not he'll be able to get an exemption. Whether or not anything will transpire or what decision we will be able to make, but as far as the Ben Simmons trade, uh, let me touch on that for a second, Stevie, because in order for that for that trade to make sense for the Brooklyn Nets, they would have to they would have to acquire much more than just Ben Simmons on that team. It would have to be like another shooter, like a potential Seth Curry or something like that nature. Because just Ben Simmons straight up for Kyrie Irving makes no sense whatsoever for the Brooklyn Nets at all. They would lose that trade a thousand percent, and they were making they're making them. It would make them, it would make easier, easier, to, easier guard to guard in the playoffs against tougher opponents because Ben Simmons posed no threat in the playoffs outside shooting the basketball or scoring the basketball uh, in any stretch of the imagination the, 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 the that would be a detrimental to them unless they were able to acquire some other shooting or some other pieces in order to uh, to fulfill that role because Ben Simmons for Kyrie by itself makes no sense at all but yeah it's it's a it's a dicey situation it, it really depends on you know connections there there's there's some uh there, there, there's some connections and some high seats that can potentially pull some strings and make some things happen. Uh, in, in this scenario, we're, we're just gonna have to see how it plays out. And um, <laughs> I, I just, I, just resp- I respect Kyrie's choice and what what he wants to make. And the Brooklyn Nets, at the end of the day, they have to do what's best for their organization. They don't they don't want a situation where they lose Kyrie for nothing. But they but if they 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 they're in a, they're in a position where they wanna if Kyrie's not on, that's not going to be on this team for the foreseeable future they want to make sure that they get something for him because you can't just lose a talent like that and receive nothing in return 100% and it's a lot of it's a it's a crowd of people that that, that agree with him, with those sentiments and what he's saying and um, i feel like that 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 group of people is being shunned by the masses to some degree because they it seems like they they're not allowed to have a voice because every time that uh, every time people with that perspective speak out it seems like you know that they get labels put on them, or you know, it's 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 some it, the p- people are twisting their words for really saying something else when really they mean they mean good and they mean positive. They mean positivity. So whenever you want to wait something out and you really want to see what's going on, that that's never really a bad thing. But right now, you you're in a situation that where some people aren't in a position to choose what they want. They you know they're losing their jobs, they're losing everything because they because they they can't even choose. To, to not take something you know it's, it's a it's a dicey situation that we're living in and dicey times that we're living in right now and these guys in professional sports Jonathan Isaac is someone who's going to speak his mind on situations he's he's someone who doesn't go with the status quo he, he walks on his own too he stands he, he stands his own ground and, he, um, and uh, he has his own mindset he's very self-sufficient in that in that sense so uh I I agree with those sentiments and um We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. He's, he lives in a situation where he doesn't have to worry about what Kyrie Kyrie's going through, what Andrew Wiggins had to go through. So, but 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 he's still it's still good to hear his voice and still hear him speak out on the situation as well as Bradley Beal, Mike. They Bradley Beal as well. Yeah.
1: That guys like Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving have to deal with because of the state in California, uh, 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 you know, sanctions or the state of New York sanctions. Right. Uh, so they would be okay. Uh, because state of Florida it, it isn't like that, but it's still good to hear some of these teams and players' voices from their respected states and conferences uh, there as well. But, Mike, when we come back, it's October's very own. It's the MLB playoffs to round up episode two. We've got to talk about that. The Sebby Podcast Radio Show. It's only heard and streamed live here on WNSC Radio. <laughs> And we're back here. We're our third and final segment of our show today. The MLB playoffs, Mike. It's October, and it's October's finest. The Dodgers stamping their ticket, Mike, the reigning champions, and their reward is the team that only won 105 games <laughs> in the first round. How ironic is that? The two best teams with the best records in the majors this season playing. With each other, it's almost sad to see Mike because this is perhaps supposed to be a, you know, NLCS matchup or perhaps a World Series matchup. But so one of these great teams and ball clubs sadly will have to go home after five games, and that actually tips off in nine thirty-seven. So these two teams they battle for eighteen times in the same division, and we get to see it five more times in the NLDS.
2: What are your thoughts, and, and what do you expect to see? It's gonna be special. I, I see it literally going five games, Chevy. I, I, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a dog fight between the two, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, man. They, all the pitching that they have, they stole our pitching. They stole our players. <laughs> uh, all the players they stole our players. <laughs> I, I forgot about that trade, that midseason trade that happened. I forget about it, man. When they, when they got Matt surgery and those guys, man, I was like, oh, come on. But uh, but they have the pitching, the uh, wherewithal with all the hitting and stuff like that the giants are, the giants also have some x factors though with Brandon Crawford and those guys so it's going to be it's going to be it's it's going to be interesting to see the, the back and forth t- tussle whether or not the giants are going to be able to manufacture enough hits against this pitching unit for the dodgers is going to be the key for me but i think they'll be able to to withstand some of the pressure with their own pitching as well so i'm looking forward to the matchup yeah absolutely i think this is this is strength against
1: strength right off uh, uh, pitching versus pitching But the difference here is the Giants have an elite bullpen. Like their bullpen is unhittable, Mike. So when it it, down the stretch, if you're if the Giants are up and it's inning seven, eight or nine, it's almost lights out uh, that you'll have a chance to come back. And I think in this series, it's going to be pivotal for the Dodgers to get up on a good start because I think if they get into a scenario they're down 0-2 in this series, or maybe they're down 2-1 in this series, it's going to be and hard for them to climb back just because of their elite bullpen. So this is, this is up to the Dodgers. I think this is an opponent that you don't want to fall behind on. And I I think that's going to be the, uh, you know, message that their manager addresses.
2: I feel like the Dodgers might be battle-testing and ready for this moment. It's almost like the Milwaukee Bucks situation. They, they've, been, they, they've been going through the Wilbur's. They've, they've, messed, they've messed up on certain situations in the past where they've gotten in position. I think this might be one of those situations where we, we see how battle-tested the Dodgers have been over the years and are they ready for the moment to rise up. Absolutely. You talk about Brandon Crawford.
1: Evan Longoria for my Tampa Bay That A uh, long ex-Tampa Bay right Now he's a member of the Giants as a great season veteran who's helping them out. As well, but uh, talk to me about the Dodger hitters, Chris Taylor, who had a big one uh, to solidify their chances to punch their ticket uh, to play in the NLDS. Guys like uh, Trey Turner from your team, oh. <laughs> players stole, uh, Justin Turner, who's coming back. Uh, what,
2: what's what's the lineup of the Dodgers have to do? <laughs> Could continue to dominate from a hitting perspective. I mean, they, they have to be consistent. I mean, when you think about the, the Dodgers, they they they've shown stretches where they can have those games where they they where they they get on a hot streak and and go for four four potentially four to five runs an inning. We I mean, we've seen that we've seen that from cases from them uh oh, oh, and, and stretches. So what they got to do is continue this momentum. They've been hot lately, especially in their last few games. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to them to continue that momentum. Trey Turner, I know how special he was. He was a special ball player and a clutch hitter. For, the, for my Washington Nationals, especially during our, our championship run. So I expect him to bring that energy to the Dodgers, and uh, we'll see if they'll able to feed off that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 9.37 is the first pitch tonight. It should be a pitcher's gem. Walker Bueller versus Lance Webb. That's mm-hmm. going to be a dynamic game. Good luck to any of these hitters tonight. Should <laughs> <laughs> sure. yeah, be a gem there for sure. Other notables, the Brewers took care of business against the Braves. And the Strohs take a two nothing serious lead over the Chicago White Sox. Any first thoughts on those matchups?
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the whites, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, for the White Sox to uh, potentially bounce back. Uh, I, I like what I'm saying from the Brewers too. It's, it's, it's gonna be um. It's gonna be it's gonna be special to see. I, I know the Red Sox, the, the Red Sox, and the Rays are going battle right now. But the, but the Brewers, the Brewers, when they beat the Braves in Game One, it was a tough. It was a tough defensive battle, a tough pitching pitching matchup. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some more hitting in this matchup though. Usually in baseball when I watch the you know, I'm, I'm still a rookie sometimes, Sevy. When I watch baseball, especially in the playoffs to some degree. When usually when I see a tough pitching game in the playoffs, the following game is usually followed by uh, a high scoring ball club. So I'm so, a high scoring matchup. So I'm looking for forward to this game too. a uh, Braves Brewer's potential. To see if bounce back, to see if the Braves are going to bounce back, high scoring wise, and if the Brewers going to be able to match it. Absolutely, absolutely, there for sure. As it stands,
1: the Rays took care of business in Game One with Randy Arena. We know he's missed October. Red Sox up eight five. Yeah, they have in, them business. on the bottom of the 6. they They're looking to tie up the series, Mike, at one one. We'll see what Tampa Bay does. Is they're looking to get back to the World Series to make amends of what happened last year.
2: Hundred percent, hundred But it's a lot of competition on the way to, to prosperity. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they got their ducks in a row.
1: No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. There for sure. That wraps it up this week for myself and Mike. Some great stuff, Mike. As it stands right now, second quarter between the Aces and mm-hmm. the Mercury. The Mercury have a quick and early start, Mike. So we'll keep an eye out on that. There, twenty six, twenty two in favor of Phoenix. So. That wraps up for myself and for Mike. I know we have got a lot to talk about next week as, as all these scores and all of these games, these playoff games, should we say, uh,
2: unveil itself. 100%. And also, also Sebi, another thing that we have coming up, we have baseball going on, WBA basketball, NBA coming back, NFL shaking and baking, doing their thing. Opening night of NHL is, 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 is upon us, Sebi. It's on the way. It's pretty much it's pretty much it. By the time our next show will take place, we'll be well within and we'll be well within hockey and the hockey ranks and we'll be we'll be in the W in the NHL season. So oh, it's, it seems like we're we're in that sweet spot uh, of sports time where everything is shaking and baking and going at one time. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That for sure.
2: That wraps it up. We'll see you guys
1: next time we're excited folks for tuning in today and joining us on this show and for any other episodes of our previous in the past make sure you follow us on sebi on all social media platforms and on instagram we'll see you guys next week